you're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. Matchin once wrote that strange things are lost and forgotten in obscure corners of the newspaper. Welcome to Forgotten Darkness, a podcast that will aim to prove that that statement is true. Palace was built in the 1560s by Catherine de' Medici, member of the powerful Florentine Medici family and widow of King Henry II of France. Catherine was an unpopular woman, being a powerful foreigner in France, and rumors were told of her having been involved in assassinating rivals and of practicing black magic. She built the palace during the handful of years when she was regent of France, between the death of her son Francis II and the ascension of her other son, Charles IX. The palace was located on the banks of the Seine, just west of the Louvre, which at the time was not yet an art museum, but a palace. Extensive gardens stretched in front of the Tuileries, at the opposite end of which was the Place de la Concorde, which during the French Revolution was site of the guillotine and countless executions, including those of Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette. During the reign of Henry IV in the 1590s, the palace was connected to the Louvre by a lengthy construction known as the Grand Gallery. The Tuileries Palace was burnt down in 1871 during the time of the Paris Commune, as were several other buildings. But while the others were rebuilt, the palace was not. The ruins were finally torn down in 1882. The origins of the spirit known as Le Petit Homme Rouge or the Little Red Man, lie with the construction of the palace itself. It is said that Catherine de' Medici employed a man named Jean Le Courture as a royal assassin. After Le Courture committed a number of murders on her behalf, he in turn was murdered in the gardens of the Tuileries. The body disappeared before it could be recovered by a servant, after which Cosimo Ruggieri, astrologer and advisor to Catherine, said that he had a vision of everyone in the Tuileries dying and the ghost of the betrayed assassin haunting the halls of the palace forevermore. The Phantom was described in 1889 as a small man clothed from top to toe in scarlet whose eye is so piercing and unearthly that it terrifies the most courageous. He never speaks, nor are his visits of much length. He vanishes soon after his presence is discovered. Other sources describe the Red Man as much like a small devil or imp. Another version of the story, since like countless legends there are numerous versions of the tale, has it that Catherine de' Medici moved into the Tuileries Palace before it was done being built. When she arrived here, the palace was already haunted by a red ghost. 
Unlike how his habits were described in 1889, in this instance the dwarfish specter supposedly spoke to her, telling her she would, date, she would die near St. Germain. As that was the district of the city in which the Tuileries was located, she fled the palace. However, when she eventually died, she found that the name of the priest administering last rites was Laurent de Saint Germain. Thus, the red man's prophecy had come true. It is true that Catherine lived in the palace for only a handful of years before taking up residence elsewhere, but of course whether her change of residence was due to the prophecies of a red phantom, who knows. Other versions of this tale have it that it was Cosimo Ruggieri who prophesied the death at St. Germain. Years later, the Red Man was said to have appeared again, this time to prophesize the death of King Henry IV. Also the King of Navarre, Henry was assassinated by a Catholic radical named Francois Ravaillac. Ravaillac had claimed to have had a divine vision that Henry should force the Huguenots to convert to Catholicism. Aided the Netherlands, he believed the monarch was declaring war on Catholicism instead, and stabbed them on May 14, 1610. The Red Man put in at least two appearances during the French Revolution, first appearing in 1792 to some servants of Marie Antoinette gathered in the gardens of the palace. They became suddenly aware of the presence of a small man, clothed from crown to heel in scarlet, who looked at them with such unearthly eyes that they were frozen with terror. They rushed to the apartments of the Madame La Dauphine and related their adventure. His appearance on this occasion apparently foretold the August 10th storming of the Tuileries Palace and the attempted seizure of Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette by revolutionary forces. The king and queen sought refuge elsewhere, but were arrested three days later. On September 21st, they were deposed and sentenced to death. The Red Man appeared again to foretell their execution on January 21st, 1793. The figure, though, with which he is most associated in folklore is Napoleon Bonaparte. One legend tells that a red-dressed man appeared at the palace on New Year's Day, 1814, demanding to see Napoleon. Some servants spied on the conversation and claimed the red man told the emperor that he had appeared to him three times now, once at the Battle of the Pyramids on July 21, 1798, and once before the Battle of Wagram in July 1809. He now told Napoleon he had three months, at the end of which time, if the wars were not done, he should surrender. Some said the Red Man also appeared to Napoleon in 1812, warning him against invading Russia. It was said that the ghost appeared to a guard and asked permission to go see the Emperor. When the guard refused, the demon brushed him aside and ran quickly up the steps. He said to the Chamberlain, Tell the Emperor that a little Red Man whom he saw in Egypt wishes to see him again. Napoleon admitted the petite home. A long conversation followed in the private cabinet. From a few words that were overheard, Napoleon seemed to be pleading for something which was refused. Finally, the door was opened. The red man came out, passed quickly through the corridors, and disappeared on the grand staircase, which nobody saw him descend. In 1815, 
Some women who were guests of the Duchess of Angoulême were eating supper when a red-clad man came down the chimney, seized a piece of meat off a table, and vanished the way he had come. King Louis XVIII investigated and found a hole in the chimney wall, which led to the apartment of some art students, who had played a prank on the women. This incident might have inspired an investigative mission in Assassin's Creed Unity, which is set during the French Revolution. In this mission, someone installed in a secret room in the Tuileries and impersonates the Red Man. The final recorded appearance of the Red Man came in 1871, just before the Tuileries itself was burnt to the ground. This time he appeared in the Louvre to a caretaker of the museum. While making his accustomed round one night, lantern in hand, through the silent galleries, he observed in the gallery de Pallon a human form standing against a window, with crossed arms and drooping head, in an attitude of profound affliction. Believing he had surprised a robber, the concierge made his way toward the intruder, who hereupon disappeared in a most mysterious fashion. He tried to persuade himself that his senses had deceived him, when on reaching the Grand Gallery, he saw the same figure again, in the same melancholy posture. On being challenged, the form vanished. The official then remembered the legend of the Homme Rouge, and lost no time. Presently he returned with some of his comrades, to whom he had related what he had seen. But this time the search for the goblin was fruitless, and was cut short by another sort of apparition. A lurid glare in the sky. After the destruction of the Tuileries, the Red Man was said to have transferred the site of his haunts to the gardens, or to the Louvre, or according to some, to the Elysee Palace, current residence of the French presidents. However, I can find no real confirmation of this, no specific incidents or sightings, only rumors. But there may be more, or perhaps I should say less, to the stories of the Red Man than appearances would suggest. Though the tale ostensibly goes back to the time of Catherine de' Medici, the fact is that the first real suggestion of a red man appeared in conjunction with Napoleon, and seems to have only been retroactively made into an old story. The earliest references to the character, actually, appear not as a ghost story, but as a pair of political cartoons which were published sometime around 1814, during the time in which Napoleon was exiled to Elba. Both depict the devil, and one he is shown flying and urinating on one of the emperor's artillery pieces, and in the other he is cradling Napoleon in the form of a baby. A written record of the Red Man appears about the same time, in an anonymously published book called Cauchemar de Buonaparte, a red-clad spirit appears to him in Egypt, foretelling the future. It describes the Red Man as a benevolent spirit, and also there is a green dwarf who is an evil spirit. I suppose similar to the angel and devil that sit on your shoulders. At the same time, Pierre-Alexander Lamar wrote another account of the spirit's appearances in Egypt, though this time it's made into an evil spirit. In 1818, an account by Auguste Jean-Baptiste de Falcompre mentions a red-clothed man who appeared to Napoleon in Egypt, though his account omits any real implication of the supernatural. The Red Man appears to have simply been a mortal visitor to Napoleon. The story seems to have been popular in England, with Sir Walter Scott recounting the tale. He mentioned a spirit, said to have haunted Napoleon, 
as the demon did Ross Michael, and appeared to him in matter of, his, of importance. He was, saith the legend, a little muffled figure to whom, whenever he appeared, access was instantly given, for the specter was courteous enough to request to be announced. At Wilna, before advancing into Russia, while Bonaparte was engaged in tracing the plan of his march, he was told this person requested to speak with him. He desired the attendant to inform his summoner that the emperor was engaged. When this reply was communicated to the unknown, he assumed an authoritative voice and accent, and throwing open his cloak, discovered his dress under it, which was red, without any mixture of any other collar. Tell the emperor, said he, that Lom Rouge must speak with him. He was then admitted, and they were heard to talk loud together. As he left the apartment, he said publicly, You have rejected my advice. You will not again see me till you have bitterly repented your error. The visits of Om Rouge were renewed on Bonaparte's return from Elba, but before he set out on his last campaign, Napoleon again offended his familiar, who took leave of him forever, giving him up to the red men of England, who became the real arbiters of his destiny. Napoleon also swore that he had a star which guided him through his life and his military career. Some accounts of this belief say that the star was also called the fiery red one, and appeared to him as a man on several occasions. An 1826 song by Pierre-Jean Beranger described the red man as a Jacobin or an anti-royalist, and in 1831, the famed Parisian mystic Madame Lenormand wrote a book which seems to have developed at least part of the currently known story of the red man, connecting him with a Tuileries. She also mentioned two spirits, one red and one black, who attended Napoleon in the palace. She also established the story of the Red Man's association with Catherine de' Medici, his warning her against Saint Germain, and his appearance before the death of Henry IV. The association of a dwarf with Napoleon is unsurprising, and perhaps hints at a deeper meaning as the emperor's small stature was well known. Also, it is interesting that he used the nickname Lome Rouge for a spy master, Karl Schulmeister. Was the Red Man originally actually a reference to Schulmeister, and only in hindsight was retconned into a ghost? The story of the Red Man of the Tuileries is in many respects similar to the tale of the Nine Rouge, the Red Dwarf supposedly haunting Detroit and also serving as a portent of disaster. And of course, the Nine Rouge is essentially a French tale as well. Both of those stories, most likely derived from earlier tales of the Luton, a small dwarfish fairy akin to a gnome or goblin. Lutons are often associated with the collar red, often wearing a red hat. One tale describes a Luton with reddish skin, actually referred to in the text as a Nine Rouge. Red occasionally appears as a collar associated with other fairy creatures as well, usually their clothing such as a hat or coat. Of course, there's the diminutive red cap of Scottish lore, but several varieties of English fairy, as well, are said to have red eyes. And that's the end of this episode. As always, a list of sources consulted for this episode can be found in the show description, and photos associated with this week's story 
will be on my Instagram at Forgotten Darkness. If you have a question, a comment, or if you know a lesser-known story that you'd like to see covered, leave a comment on the podcast page, post it to the Facebook page at Forgotten Darkness Podcast, or send it to the e- to our email at ForgottenDarknessPodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at Forgotten Darkness Podcast, and you can DM me ideas there. There's links to all these pages in the show description as well. So, until next time, this is Andrew, signing off. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.